0: Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Memorial Day. We have a special, special show for you this Memorial Day. It's gonna be short and sweet, about 20, 25 minutes, uh, but we're gonna to talk to a man that I love talking to when I worked at Fox Sports. I love talking college football with this guy. Uh, many people know him as a former Colorado uh, football player, football quarterback. Uh, And they call him Joel Klatt. Uh, Those of us that worked at Fox Sports, we all called him the guy who works alongside Gus Johnson. Uh, Joel Klatt, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for taking some time on this holiday. The man who works with Gus Johnson.
1: That's right. Uh, Well, it's good to see you, man. (laughs) Uh, It's been a a while, but uh, good to be here. And yes, happy Memorial Day to everybody. So, Joel,
0: I really only want to talk to you about one thing. And, and, again, you're known for your voice of college football for Fox Sports. You do an awesome job. But I guarantee you, you've spent the past five months, all you do is talk about Deion Sanders with all <laughs> your friends. And, you got, and you're going to have to really defend him today. I like Deion. Yeah. But I don't know how I feel about all this transfer portal stuff. And so I want to talk about what's going on with the Buffalo football team, with Deion Sanders, the transfer portal, things that you're all an expert on. Mm -hmm. I know you still love your Buffaloes, and you certainly love college football and do a great job, uh, you and Gus Johnson, the best combination uh, in college football. And I say that authentically and sincerely. I love Kirk Herbstreit. But in combination, you and Gus, can't be beat. Anyway, uh, I don't even know if I have a – Defend, yeah, just the topic all the Colorado up, right? football players, huh? Defend just, all the Colorado the, football the topic, players leaving the
1: program. Well, boy, there's, there's, all right. As, as you probably remember, when we would, you know, go on. And this is, by the way, I, I, I'm gonna enjoy this a lot more than going on your shows on linear television because inevitably you and I would want to have. Deeper and and more nuanced conversations, right? Which this will certainly lend itself towards. Um, Dion Sanders, Coach Prime at Colorado, and and the the greater conversation of the transfer portal brings up a lot of things. Um, and so let's let's first dive into just just Dion. I will say this: that let's start with the premise that Colorado had to do something fairly drastic. They had sunk to a point that was, uh, I mean, unequivocally, w- in particular, when you look at the data, they were the worst team and program in the Power Five. Um, they had one winning season dating back to 2005. And last year in particular, they were 111, Jason, and those 11 losses, they lost by an average of 29. The next closest Power Five team, who only won one game as well? Northwestern they lost by an average of fourteen, so they were almost twice as bad as the next worst team. It it was um, it was at a level where Colorado had to do something, and and Coach Prime is that something. Um, it was my argument that they needed to go out and make themselves relevant, and they certainly did that with with Coach Prime, and and Dion comes in. And what I do like about what's gone on is that there has not been any ambiguity about what he's doing and what he's trying to do. This was right up front, even to the players in that auditorium. Um, I saw what you said about his initial team meeting when he talked about, hey, I'm bringing my baggage and it's Louie. I will say this. He had individual meetings after that. And at no point did did he say, hey, listen, you're all going to be out of here. Every one of those guys had a chance to earn themselves, you know, favor within the coaching staff and in particular prove their worth as players within the locker room. Um, and it didn't work out for a lot of them. And this was always the plan for Coach Prime. This was always what he wanted to do because of the level that they had sunk. Um, the worst roster clearly in the power five and it needed to turn over quickly. Now, within the rules that we are currently abiding by, which we can debate, by the way, for hours and hours and hours, a first year coach has the authority to bring in as, as many you know, first year players to his program as he wants And we've seen this at other places, maybe not quite to the level that you're seeing at Colorado, but no one was at the level or depth, I guess you should say, that Colorado was at in particular last year. So this is well within... Uh, the rules. This is well within his purview to go in there and try to change the roster. I've, I've seen some coaches say like, well, I get a job. I'm going to coach the guys that are there. Well, at Colorado, that would be a death sentence because you're not going to be allowed five years, six years to try to turn over a roster that was so clearly the worst roster within the power five. So he was very upfront with the coaches. He was very upfront with the administration of exactly what his plan was and what he wanted to do with that roster. And that plan was to turn it over as draft. As possible, as quickly as possible. And that's exactly what's taking place.
0: And so, as a former football player, college football player, Colorado, are you good with that? I I get that that was the plan. Do you think this is good for college football?
1: Hmm. Well, see, that's a. Now you're opening up that larger conversation just uh, about (laughs) in general, right? Um, Yeah. This is not specifically what he has done, but in general, no. I I don't believe that the portal as it's currently constructed and as the rules are currently constructed for any first-year coach, I don't believe that they're advantageous for the most quality um, environment to, I I almost want to say rear, but to develop young men. Okay. So, but that's a, that's a bigger conversation and that's, and I will say this in, in defense, that's not Dion's role or coach prime's role or any coach. It's not their job to go in and try to abide by some sort of altruistic, you know, set of rules that don't exist. And so. Do we need a structural change? Yeah, probably. I believe that the portal needs to be um, structured much differently. And it's probably a piece within a puzzle puzzle that, that needs to be looked at. For instance, Jason, I, d- I don't think it's beneficial to high school players um, the way that rosters are currently constructed because – At least let's just take, for an example, in in the National Football League, the calendar is set and it's structured so that you can build a roster and you can build it first through free agency, then through the draft. So it's fair for everybody involved. Right. Everybody, the free agents know exactly uh, the number of seats that are available out there. And then the draft picks know exactly what they're getting into. In college, it's totally different. We go through a regular season and then before the regular season really is finished because army Navy still have to play and certainly the season in its entirety is finished. We open up everything all at the same time. So you have this blender of early signing transfer portal opening coaches being hired and fired assistants trying to be hired and fired in some cases. And it's all happening in the same week. That's madness. So for a high school player, a lot of times they don't know what seats are even open, what slots are even open within college programs around the country, because they don't know who's choosing those seats within the portal, what boosters and collectives are doing and what are they giving to, to certain players. So they could be choosing a school with one set of information and that information could be completely wrong. So is this right? No, no. The way it's happening right now and the way that it's currently constructed is not good for anybody. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen.
0: And That takes me to name, image, and likeness, which I do not like. It needs some sort of structure as well. And I think name, image, and likeness, Dion is taking the heat, and he's the most out front with what he's doing. But I think name, image, and likeness is gonna create a coarseness or a coarsening of college athletics. It's already been a business first endeavor. But now that the kids are really getting paid, the coaches now are like, okay, you're professionals and we can trade you and move you around. It's a fair financial exchange. And so I just see name, image, and likeness being a coarsening of college sports that frustrates, irritates, dampens my enjoyment of college athletics Hmm. because... I don't want it to be just like
1: the pros. So let me ask a question, though, because I want to know, like, to what level you don't like it. Right. Because I think I think that's important. Do you believe that players should not retain the rights to their own name, image and likeness?
0: I think i'm I'm somewhat dodging your question, and I apologize for that.
1: That's okay. That's I all right.
0: think I think that players, the high end players, the the ones that really make a difference. There's about three hundred of them across college football, should financially benefit from their participation in college football. They drive some ratings, they drive some interest. They're so talented. They're they they, they they're going to go to the NFL, but but the overwhelming majority of guys should be compensated the way that I was compensated. Sure, a chance to get a college education and a chance to move on and move up in their life. Joe, I said it on Speak for Yourself. I say it here all the time on this show. In 1984, when I was a senior in high school, I lived in a 400 square foot one bedroom apartment with my dad in the ghetto. Yeah college football, getting that Ball State football, it changed my life forever. It's changed a lot of my family members' lives forever. That's a fair exchange. I was a mediocre mid-major player. For most of these guys, the education part, getting transported to a college campus, having their eyes open, tutors, all this other stuff, fun, travel, get to play, it's a fair exchange. For most of them.
1: I think that you're right. Um, so let, let's, I'm going to lay out my first principles. Right. My first principles are if you have value, you should be able to monetize that value. Now, does everybody that is monetizing value right now or, or monetizing NIL actually have value? No, to your point. And that's because it's a completely irrational market. The buyers in this market are completely irrational buyers and and because of that, a lot of people or or players are making money where they actually have not driven any value okay so I don't know how to curb that, but you are you are right now it it, it brings up another question which is. Well, let's put it this way. Jason, five years ago, I had people within college football and college athletics in general ask me, and some of them were commissioners at the time. They were asking me like, well, what do you think about name, image, and likeness? And I said, you better do or take one or two steps now, because if you don't, you're going to be forced or pushed off of a ledge and you're going to have to be forced to take 10 steps that you're not prepared for. Well, as, as true administrators within intercollegiate athletics uh, as they are they move like the titanic away from an iceberg and they didn't avoid it so they got pushed off the ledge and had to take 10 steps that they were not prepared for whatsoever so now we're in the deep end we're off the ledge here we are we're in the deep end where there's it's katie bar the door there's different sets of rules based on different state legislators throughout the country which i don't think is beneficial for anybody and a lot of the NIL money that is being spent or thrown out is used as a form of t- tampering or inducement, which no one wants that, right? Nobody wants that. And I don't, by the way, think that that's fair for any player. You give a kid that hasn't earned a half a million dollars and you give him a half a million dollars, I have no idea what contract he signed. I have no idea how many handlers he's he's got around him. I have no idea what agency he's signing with or or what contract he has with that agency is his earnings getting cut into in perpetuity so many things like i could go down a lot of rabbit holes as to to tell you why it's it's dangerous to some degree if you backtrack what the NCAA and and really all of intercollegiate athletics and maybe football more, more specifically, their problem, Jason, was that they never communicated and never got an, out in front of this in terms of a PR standpoint. There was this narrative that kids are out there languishing in major college football, like being taken advantage of and didn't have money to eat. That was not true. That was not true, but that was the narrative that was pushed. And it got pushed so far that people in the political realm found it advantageous to jump on that narrative to gain political favor and pass something that everyone would say, like, well, well done. And so they pass things that are not advantageous for intercollegiate athletics. What we should have been concentrating are the few boats in the harbor that you mentioned. And I always throw out analogies like that, boats in the harbor. What do I mean by boats in the harbor? The few players that do have value, we needed to find a way to create systems where they could monetize that value. The 300, as you called it, or however many it was, there needed to be systems so that they could go out there and say, "Okay, I can enter into a deal and a legitimate one at that with any brand or entity in the country. But as it is now, you get pushed into the deep end. You don't have floaties on. They don't know what they're doing, speaking of administrators and people in charge. And now it's just money flying everywhere, and it's flying around in particular in the form of inducements to come to your university and then tampering with current student athletes within uh, certain programs. What's the fix now? I'm not quite sure. But I do know this, and this is going to be long-winded, but I, I want to spin it forward to this. I actually think NIL and Transfer Portal combined has made it too advantageous for the player. See, in any contract, and you know this, you and I have entered into many contracts in our lives um, with employers. And in every single contract, if it's too one-sided, it breaks down quickly. Because you've got to have benefit and responsibility on both sides. There's got to be recourse for both sides. And right now, there's no recourse on the school side. Maybe you can say, well, Dion's had some recourse and he can basically just push kids out. Well, maybe that's true, but I will tell you this when you look at the money invested into health and well-being, now NIL, you look at the 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 uh, academic support, when you look at mental health support, when you look at all the gear given, when you look at everything that a school is investing in a player, and now that player can just instantly vanish and leave. Well, at some point, these schools and these coaches are going to say, hey, it doesn't behoove us to continue to pour that amount of investment into something that can just vanish right away. And I think what you get then is what you get with Colorado and with Dion, you can have upheaval within a roster. You can totally turn it. And part of that is because it's become too one way toward the player. A lot of people disagree with me on this, but I'll just continue to say that contracts in any walk of life throughout your entire professional life should always be beneficial to both parties. And there should be responsibility for both parties.
0: I don't know if I want to spend much time talking about this, but I do just want to enter it into the conversation that. These, the, the other side of this story is never going to get covered. How many kids are going to benefit for a year, two or three from all this money we've poured into them at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and then suffer at 28, 29 and 30? Because again, once you start living one way and then the real world sets in and you have to adjust back to what the real world and you actually get rewarded for your real value, it, it's a difficult adjustment and I'll make the analogy, it's like me and my weight problem. When, if you overeat for years, it's so much harder to course correct later in life and adjust to eating normally. And so if you and, and I don't want mm. it's never going well, to get covered. It's fascinating. Take I I look at I look at the Alabama kid Tony Mitchell the five-star recruit who I'm sure got a little bit of money and then in his mind he thought how can I turn this over and make a lot of money? Drugs. Got a bunch, of, <laughs> and we're creating little stories like this and guys that will have lived a very lavish lifestyle at 18 19 20 21 years getting overpaid, and then they are good to be 25, and they're gonna always wanna go back to what it used to be, and they're going to cut corners. It'll never get talked about, it'll never be told, but I think we're damaging young people by hmm. giving them too much before they're ready, and, and there will be ramifications. We think giving people money solves problems. I've lived long enough to know it can create just as many problems sure. as it solves.
1: Well, I, I think that—listen, that, that is that accurate. Um, the unintended consequence of yes. giving any person—well, um, let's put it this way. In a lot of cases, a lot of these cases, the money that these kids make in the next year, two, or three— will be greater annualized than any future year of their life and that's there's there are some deep consequences to that in particular if their their identity and joy aren't attached to something more solid above money which in our culture is so rare and you know i think that you're right we we are now does that mean I want to be very clear. I am not arguing that we should not have name, image, and likeness. There are players that deserve to, to make name, image, and likeness dollars. But when you're throwing from a collective half a million dollars at a player that may or may not ever pan out, and then that player's highest earning years of his life become when he's 18 and 19. Boy, there's going to be some serious consequences from a mental health standpoint when he's 29,
0: 30, 31, and 32. Joel, what I've always believed the solution was and still is is that the NFL and the NBA should recognize they're in partnership with college football and basketball in building up the brands of their next stars at the professional yeah. level. And I've always thought there was a way to do highly compensated internships for football and basketball players, highly compensated, that stay and build their brand in college. And yeah, maybe a senior makes $250,000 from you know, playing his last year in college football. And there's some kind of way that the NFL, because they're getting great benefit from these guys going to the NFL with these great college brands. Mm. And, 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 you know, the younger guys, junior juniors, they get paid a little less. The ones that have been identified as NFL talents and all that. But I've always thought that was the solution. I just the NCAA and college sports and professional leagues have missed an opportunity to work together to do what's best for athletes and these leagues over the long haul.
1: Well, I, I mean, let's just call it what it is. If there weren't an age requirement, then college athletics could do whatever they wanted. You know, and they could limit whatever they want because they could say, like, listen, if this isn't if this deal is not working for you, then then you have the ability to go somewhere else and monetize, you know, to whatever degree you want. But the fact that Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Jr., these guys cannot go to the NFL this year, they can't. And yet they have massive value, massive value. Well, now there's been a problem created by the NFLPA because of the rule, you know, of, of draft age, that is thrust upon college football and intercollegiate athletics. That's a that's one change. If that change happened Tomorrow, then the whole model could start to change because then you could say, listen, this is what we are, and you can take it or leave it. If you accept it, now you're entering in, into one of those contracts where there's benefit and responsibility.
0: I'll end on this note, Joel. On this show, we talk about the benefits of biblical values. And so when yeah. I hear that, Caleb Williams and, and these guys, what I hear is like, yeah, they could get some money now and and that would be great. And I hear it the same way the mistakes I made. It's like, oh, you know, promiscuous sex. You can have that and all this stuff before marriage and blah, blah, blah. But does it really serve you in the long haul? Does it really set you up for a a long marriage and raising, developing kids and all that other stuff? And so sometimes there's a benefit to denying yourself things that you could get right now but they're not meant for you right now. And so I don't have a lot of sympathy that Caleb Williams has to wait another year, particularly now that he's getting a bunch of money. Uh, and, and so there is benefit to some discipline and denial. It's like, I wish I had denied my fork a lot more often when I was <laughs> I was younger that I'll give you the final thought and I'll let you go.
1: Well, it's, um, as you can tell by our conversation, it, it is a, um, a massive, um, issue. Uh, I don't know what the the fix uh, of it is. And un- unfortunately, I think that we've put ourselves in a position, overarching just college football in general, we've put ourselves in a position where there might be only two fixes. And I think both of them are really bad. Um, one would be federal legislation, which who knows what direction that would go, uh, or even if it could get done, in particular in our current you, you know state of of Uh, politics in our country. That's one way. The other way would be employee status and having the players organize and have a players association in college football, which then you could negotiate with and set parameters just like an NFL PA or any PA uh, throughout professional sports. And through the PA, you would be able to set parameters that were advantageous for all parties.
0: Joel, thank you so much. Tell Gus uh, to have a smoke on me. Uh, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Really appreciate you, brother. Have a great college football season, off season, whatever. Uh, that's it. That's our little uh, special edition of uh, Fearless on Memorial Day. And by the way, if you didn't get the Gus Johnson, Gus smokes cigarettes. It's, it's one of the things he's known for. Ty has such a great pipe, great voice. Uh, So anyway, those of us that have had a cocktail or been out with Gus and have to deal with his smoking, they'll get the joke. But anyway, we'll play tomorrow and we'll see you tomorrow.